One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, we get to hear from Zana Roberts-Rassi. And what a treat it is for me to be interviewing somebody that I've been watching on the red carpet, that I've followed her editorial history, and now we get to chat with her. And my daughter wears milk makeup, which is something you're going to learn about. She does. She does. She does. Zana, welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm already (laughs) jumping in with the zero chill that your daughter wears milk makeup. It's funny. I still get so happy when I hear that about anyone wearing milk makeup or I see someone using it in the toilet somewhere. <gasps> No, it's a big deal to see the things that we bring into this world, right? Being like utilized by people and loved by people. Absolutely. How old is she? Well, she's 20 now, but she started when she was in high school. You guys had just come out, I think. Are you in Urban Outfitters? Yes, that was our first. We were Sephora and Urban Outfitters was one of our original retailers. Yeah. It was when you landed in Urban and she had become a fan and was trying to explain to me all this cool, like androgynous makeup kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I yeah. totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it, Mom. <laughs> she was into it. I love she was into it. So let me just back up really quickly. And just for our audience's sake, they might not know. Maybe they do, but you're an yeah. e-news fashion style host. Mm-hmm. You're an NBC Today Show fashion contributor and the co-founder of Milk mm-hmm. Makeup that we just talked about. How is it that you're able to do all these things? You have two kids. Where does this energy come from and why? Why so many diverse things? The energy from where we all find our energy, right? In a big vat of espresso first thing in the morning and a good outfit. It's like literally all I've got here. I mean, I have no idea. It's the juggle. I am not going to pretend it's easy. I'm not going to pretend I've got it all figured out. 
there is without doubt a juggle. With regards to my many different roles, I think the interesting thing is they all feed into each other, right? So from a former beauty editor then to a fashion editor, I was in the publication industry, then I moved into more television stuff. So still in the fashion and lifestyle, beauty, entertainment world, be that for e-news on the red carpet, as you mentioned, or be on today's show and just um, a get the look segment. And then from that, building milk makeup. But, you know, all of these different things from my past, so the publishing, the beauty editor in me, the fashion editor in me, the TV correspondent in me, the celebrity connections in me, all come together to form what I do now. So they're all interconnected is my long way of answering the question. But they seem to take advantage of different parts of who Xana is. Mm. Just because mm. you can be a great editor doesn't mean that you have the ability to speak to people in front of a camera. Yeah. Just because you do that doesn't mean you have the ability to put together a brand, a consumer brand. So is that a piece of the appeal that they're taking little bits of who you are and sort of actualizing them? Absolutely. It's so well said. I've never heard it like that. I mean, I think I'm always one of those people to try and put my hand to anything. And they naturally do work together, as I said. But yeah, the appeal is totally like, I was a beauty editor for years. And I think, I don't think that's much part of my story. But for six years, that was my first job in Marie Claire in the UK. And I was immersed in the beauty world. And I was with the best makeup artists. I was commissioning people like Pat McGrath for shoots and Charlotte Tilbury for shoots. And I was hearing stories from other brand founders, like a Bobby Brown, for example. And mm. I think all these people, and, and I was being the only kind of outlet at that point that was actually dispensing information around beauty. So I learned so much from that. And I took all that with me. I didn't really know what I was going to do when I moved to America and became a fashion editor with that. But it kept on coming out and it was this the idea of understanding the beauty industry and also giving takeaway to everybody whenever mm -hmm. I could. And then as a fashion editor, which was a fantastic job, I absolutely loved it, but it was probably less me than the beauty industry was because in the way that it was, um, beauty was just more democratized back then. and it was just an easier thing to understand and it was more accessible for everybody. And I really like the accessibility of whatever I do. Whatever I do, I want to give the consumer takeaway with it, as well as just an industry insight. It's interesting that that then probably informed Milk, right? As you started to think about a brand you were building, it was how do we make this accessible, not just price point, but the people that you were serving, right? I mean, Absolutely. it's a unique part of the, the Milk story. It is. And it was definitely come from, you know, all those days in set. I'd be at Milk Studios shooting, which is actually where Milk Makeup is born, is Milk Studios, which has been around 24 years. But we'd be on set there shooting glorious fashion campaigns or beauty campaigns or beauty editorials. And I would be working with the best artists in the industry and seeing how they were actually using makeup, right? And the way they were using makeup was very different the way they were using it personally, as they were like putting on these big faces for the hyper-glamorized visuals you'd see in a magazine. But whereas then personally using it was so different. Like you'd see them in the bar after the shoot, taking one lipstick bullet and like, like dabbing it on their fingers, the makeup artist, like putting it on their own cheeks, putting it on their lips and then putting some on their eyes. And that was the way they do their makeup. And it was so much more quick and creative and cool than the labored faces that we were seeing like being applied in studios for editorials or ad campaigns. And it was this creative, cool set that really inspired what we did today. 
why the focus on, it seems to me, on a certain generation, at mm-hmm. least from the campaign, a generation that neither your children were in nor you were in. That's interesting yeah. to me. We often serve ourselves when we create products. What was that about? I mean, I don't think we ever really set out to be that of that generation. I think we resonated there because it was cool, it was creative, it was something mm-hmm. that not many people were really doing with, like, even, you know, gender was a new conversation. Everything was clean, vegan from the get-go. Like, that was very unheard of then. But the consumer that was more attuned to that was actually the younger demographic. But we definitely never set out with that. It was our vision. It just skewed that way. And then, naturally, our campaigns were a bit more edgy. And I think that leaned into the consumer wanting more of that. But if you think about the way we actually, I know, we went about shooting things. It was so unique at the time. You know, we'd have a cisgender guy wearing makeup and then a, a trans person on that, like the same campaign. Like people were just like, what is this? We don't understand it. And maybe that scared some people off at the beginning. But we never actually set out to do that. And when you look at the ingredients in the makeup, they're so quality. Yeah. Like the price point is not cheap. It's not like yeah. bad stuff. It's all such great ingredients and rich. So I think it's interesting too, you talk about scaring people off. Often brands that are able to pierce the market scare people off or divide, right? There are people who are so for you and people who don't care for you for whatever reason. And what that does, especially with certain generations, it's not necessarily a singular generation, but when it's captured by a generation, when it feels like it captures their heartbeat, then they become mouthpieces for you. They're like, exactly. these people are behind us and we're, we're going to shout them out. We're going to share them with our friends. We're going to share them on social media. So that must have energized the brand and energized the direction that you guys went in. Absolutely. I mean, you see that people just talking about it and just loving it and just singing our praises without us even know they were using it. And that's 100% like where we got our energy from. Like that community was built around the community that would inhabit milk and it was always creative cool types but we realized that community existed way outside of milk right it was a, a girl yeah. in urban outfits just like your daughter and she was in ohio she was in nebraska she's in middle of nowhere in france like this person existed and seeing their energy and love for the product was absolutely such a driving force for us and i think it's cool when a brand understands who they're talking to and the person they're talking to feels understood by the brand Like, I'm going to buy this because something in their campaign says they're talking Mm -hmm. to me and I feel seen. You guys have done a great job with it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the work that has gone behind Milk Makeup. Let's talk about how your life actually takes place. One of the things you said before we went on is, gosh, are we going to be done by, you know, when the hour's up? Because my kids are coming in and I'm like, we have had so many interviews where the kids have come in and that's the reality of your seemingly very glamorous life, right? The listener Mm. is saying like, oh my gosh, this person has got it all together. But talk about the juggle. Talk about how you make all these disparate things happen and come together. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I do very well. I'm definitely (laughs) the wrong person to ask about that. And I'm so fine with the casual, by the way. It's like, yeah, it's nice to see that side of everyone because we're all like that. We're all juggling. No one's got... You know, I think even if you have a field, a team of people looking after you, you're still doing the juggle because your emotion and your energy has to go in one place at one time. 
And that's something I've learned. I've tried to, you know, wear so many hats at one time, but now it's more about the edit for me and putting my focus and energies in one thing instead of 10 things. And it's going to be much better benefits at the end of the day. But it's taken me a while to figure that out because I was I'm in the field of yes, and there's a lot of things being thrown at me, and I have so many great opportunities, and none of which I regret taking. But also, you, there is that point where you're going to be like, okay, let's just streamline this. Do you think that that point is something that came with age? A hundred percent. Yeah, you have more awareness about what makes you happy, more awareness about what the people around you need, um, more awareness of like what's a big yes and what's a big no. And just being able to trust that gut, I and mean, it's just such a cliche, but if you can really just dial into that and that's like everything in my body is a yes for this, then I'll do it. Or if it's a part of like the bigger goal, what's the bigger picture here? Yeah. What is the ultimate intention? Then if it lines up with that, then it's a yes. If it doesn't, then it's no. Okay. So having said that, and you talk about the edit and the yes and the no, I'm going to challenge <laughs> something here. Oh, How do you actually know what to say yes and no to when you're in a situation where so much is coming your way, every opportunity probably feels like there are endless open doors behind that. What through line does the work have to have Mm. for you to say yes to? How do you stay true to that edit and that lifestyle so that you can manage all the things? Such a good question. And I honestly, (laughs) I think I'm really just figuring it out. What is the filter that everything goes through, right? And for me, it's like, it's, it's, family okay and is this going to take mm-hmm. time away from me and the family and if it is is it worth it I figure out if it's worth it by saying is this part of my bigger picture grand plan of where I want to be now and the next stage of my career and if it does ladder up to that then it's a yes and then we'll all figure it out there's also there's the emotional side but just like at the full body you just know at this point I experience that more and more once you let yourself trust yourself to say mm-hmm. this is a good idea and then you go with it and it turns out right. You're like, okay, great. Yeah. But that's not to say I haven't taken so many opportunities that I've taken every growing in my 20s and 30s. It's like, yes, 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 yes. I'd be on every flyer, every dinner, every party, like every job that would come. And I'd do it and I'd love it. And I met so many great people and that, that's without doubt helped me to be where I am now. But there also comes a point where you're like, all right, we don't need to be everywhere and nowhere all at once. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of what was happening. Well said. Well said. How much of that was also informed by the stage your children were in, in their life? Like, Mm. I think there's something, no matter how liberated we become, women, I believe, deserve the right to choose their role in the family. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be careful to not assume that liberation means working outside the home. Many women believe that liberation is having the flexibility or having the freedom to choose how mm-hmm. they work within the home as well. How did you manage that piece of it? Okay, I'm raising these children with a supportive husband, right? Yeah. But how did you make intentional decisions around that? As somebody who has, I have a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a soon-to-be 16-year-old. Wow. You know, it just happened. I was waiting for the day that I was going to be intentional. And just when I thought I was going to be intentional, it was like, oh, this other thing came up. You still have young ones. How do you make those decisions about being the intentional mom and the intentional career person that you want? I think I have, I've realized 
they need me more now than when they were younger, which is a really interesting because I always thought when I was in the baby, like the toddler age, it was like, this is the time they need you, right? This is like very physical and I have twins. So it was a mighty physical. But now that's definitely switched to they need me more mentally and emotionally. And I've got a lot coming in from the outside world that we never did have to deal with. Yeah. And I want to be there 100% for that. So understanding that that's their needs and that it's going to be more time allocated, that that's how I have to now like think about, is this flight worth it? Is this trip worth it? Is this going to take away from time with them that they might need even just to pick up from school? It might mean nothing to me, but to them it means the world. Yeah. So that's like the juggle, really. Does that answer your question? I think we went off on a tangent now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, I don't want our listener to ever believe that the assumption here is we're talking about liberation, meaning it's all work and no focus on home. Because I think Mm -hmm. for many women, we're choosing that flexibility. We're choosing a career that allows us to to make space for for the home as opposed to this hard narrative of if I want that, then I'm not fully leaning into these liberated opportunities. And I think the idea of being liberated when you're self-employed as well or an entrepreneur is yeah. great, right? You do have these, the flexibility of being able to say, oh, these are vacation days I want. Oh, I can't get to that meeting because I've got my daughter's recital in the morning or doctor's appointment, whatever it might be. The liberty in that itself is so powerful to be able to do yeah. that. And it's funny, I've never felt more useful than I did during COVID, mm. right? So it was like, a year at home with the kids doing homeschooling, having their meal on the table. I got more FaceTime with them in that, that year than I think I had in the seven years of their life at that point on the daily. And it was incredibly powerful and it was incredibly liberating, but it was like I'd been chosen for, but I had actually taken it in that direction. And it was, it was magic in it. And it was strange. Yeah. And I think those moments inform how we want to move forward when we see how those opportunities the benefit of them. Exactly, Ned. Well, that was when I realized that I had to edit more. Like there was no need to be doing all these other things. Like this was what made me and everyone truly happy and wholesome. So it was more important, for sure. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is this partnership, because you're not busy enough, right? You decided to get into this partnership (laughs) with Afterpay. And we all know that Afterpay is a buy now, pay later platform. We've seen it a lot of times when we go into our online retail favorites and we'll see the Afterpay logo. But you're doing Mm -hmm. some really interesting things with them. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I am very busy, but I do pick my partners very carefully. It's back down to the edit, right? If I'm going to work with someone, I have to really believe in them. And I believe in them in so many different ways because I see how it affects my, in my professional life and also my personal life as a shopper. So professionally as a journalist, what's interesting about Afterpay, it's not just like a buy now, pay later, which is great, but they also have these incredible um, rich insights and data. So they release a biannual trend report, which is actually, it's real-time customer purchasing. So you understand what people are buying into them, which for me as a journalist is so helpful because then I can take these numbers, dissect these trends and impart them on in print or on television. You know, so we really understand what's popping and what people are buying. And I can infuse that into my work, be that on a today show segment or on a red carpet. And then also... You know, part of my job as a journalist is to help people shop smarter. Yeah. So if I can then help them understand how maybe they should invest in this piece, but here's how you can do it without breaking the bank. 
by using Afterpay, then that's me like checking the box there. And then when the, you know, the service itself is obviously the installments, which is great to help people shop smarter, but also as a business owner, we're actually partners with Afterpay at milkmakeup.com. Oh. So we've seen like firsthand how people have shopped all ages, all demos, no matter what their shopping cart size, they shop now more using Afterpay. And that's, I've seen that firsthand evidence of actually having been partnered with them at Mill Makeup. That becomes a real benefit when we talk about a lot of environmental brands that are coming up and people creating more mm. like capsule collections. And, you know, you want to buy well. Yeah. My kids are constantly saying to me, mom, we have to shop from this brand. They're doing good things for the environment. And I'm like, ah, but they're like twice as expensive. Yeah. Afterpay becomes a solution for those sorts of things. How do we spread, spread out our own payment so that we can afford something that actually is, is better for our closets. It's better for the environment. It's going to yes. last longer. It's benefiting mm-hmm. everything that goes behind that designer and that manufacturing brand, the way they've done something with a real conscious effort, mm-hmm. one that's paying attention to the worker, to the environment, to yeah. all those things. Afterpay becomes a solution for that. That's so true. That's awesome. What a cool partnership. Well, it's also funny you say about the sustainability because somebody I've been buying who accept Afterpay, I actually did a, I used Afterpay on the real, real. Yes. Talking of sustainability. So this is already pre-loved clothes. Well, it was actually a piece of jewelry. I was like, I can't possibly like, you know, <laughs> justify that right now. But in four parts, maybe I can maybe justify I can do this it. fantastic Rolex moment. And maybe I can do it. That was the reason why I was so into working with them. That makes sense. 360 for me. And not to mention they're really nice people and you know how I only like yes. to work with nice people. Yes, I do. Like-minded, smart, right? Not that they're yeah. just like good people and they're, you know, working mums as well. And everyone, you know, the calls of them, we never get off and we're all too busy chatting about catching up. And for me, any, any person I want to work with has to feel like a little bit like family like that. Well, I want to work with them. They sound cool. That's awesome. Thank you for telling us about that relationship. And again, and explaining why you were willing to add one more thing to your list of things to do. We get a real-time opportunity to see how you suss out what you should say yes to and what you're saying no to. So thanks for that. Let's focus on the work you're doing at the Today Show or at E. What do those offer you that you didn't want to let go of? What were you getting from those opportunities that were really feeding your soul? Uh, so for, say, the TV side of things, you know, I've worked for 15 years in the fashion and beauty industry. And now with the work I do on television, be it for, on a red carpet panel, for E, it's about really shining a light on the stories the people behind the, the camera, mm. right? Or behind the look, say, for example, on the Oscars, we've got all these amazing outfits, beautiful styles. I have the ability to tap into the industry who created those looks. So I can speak to the designer, I speak to the stylist, and I can bring this wealth of information. So it's almost like all these years of work, all these relationships I've made, all this study I've done within the fashion industry, I can now impart in a really fun, smart way on television. This never used to be the way. It used to be more like you'd sit on a panel and it'd just be like, oh, this is great, blah, blah, blah. This is like opinionating, really. Yeah. Whereas now I've shifted that into a way that we talk really about um, the story behind the book. Like, why are they wearing it, not just what they're wearing it? And that fills me with 
joy and pride and to be able to like shift that conversation in that way on those major platforms and to really shine a light, as I said, on these people behind the scenes who work tirelessly is great. You know, it's, it's not a superficial industry and there's so much money and thought and art and craftsmanship that they go behind it and jobs. It's almost like you're advocating on the red carpet yeah, for them exactly, yeah. and for the industry. That's interesting. Absolutely. And we've seen more and more people wearing things on the red carpet that have deeper meaning. Who was the person who wore, I think it was a cape or something, and it had stitched names? Oh, Natalie Portman. Yes. Do you remember that piece? It was Natalie Portman. It was a few years ago, the Oscars, probably like four or five years ago. And it was when there'd been a female snub of all the female directors. No one had been nominated. So she had the names of all the female directors embroidered in her cape. Do your cape. Yeah. Beautiful. So subtle. So elegantly done. But it's like, this is my statement. It's interesting since then, there's just been more and more of that. You know, if it's a hidden pin, a hidden brooch, or a more loud statement about something, it's just it's such a great platform to send a message. It seems like the timing of you stepping into that role and what we have kind of going on societally right. and in the zeitgeist, they've met. And so you're able to take advantage of that. Absolutely. And what about the Today Show? What is that feeding you? I've worked for the day show since I was still at magazines, which is like eight years ago. And I just love the buzz of the live TV. I love the team over there. I love putting together segments that really help everybody. Um, you know, it's not just like the high fashion editorials with like gorgeous supermodels on covers where it's shot in a beautiful location with an amazing photographer. Of course, that looks great. They're wearing a $10,000 Gucci dress. Yeah. <laughs> what I like is when I can take this and say, like, these are the trends. We have five models, every size, every shape, every age. Now, how do I make these work for them? Mm-hmm. There's something so deeply fulfilling, I find, with that. And it's about translating the great trends that are out there, helping people get dressed in the smartest way, shop smarter, style smarter, and be able to, like, just impart that on air to such a mass audience and it resonates you know people are like oh god I didn't even think about that with my white shirt or what I didn't think red was a trend this season I didn't think I could wear this I was this age you're like oh no yeah so that that kind of stuff really fills me with glue. that's what fills me with. that's back to you talking about the importance for you of democratizing whatever it is makeup or fashion right that's a core value for you it's come through a couple times now yeah, I mean, it's essentially my job to teach people definitely about the industry and translate those trends and make it accessible. Style can be taught. I do believe that. And it's accessible to everyone. It's just about how you go about doing it. Well, you're rolling right into my next question very nicely, which is it's hard to have you on the podcast and not ask an expert about what are you seeing that's trending for women in their 40s and 50s and 60s, we're seeing women wear things differently. We're not our grandmothers and our mothers midlifers, right? We're in this yeah. season, but we're experimenting in a different way. And it doesn't mean we're wearing things that a 20-year-old would wear, but we could be. We could be. Where there's yeah. that freedom. What are you seeing? What are you seeing that's trending? What are you seeing that's maybe even surprising you? The style has no age, right? I think we can all agree on that. Um, it's definitely more for us as a state of mind and it's what makes you feel fantastic. Mm. And that naturally matures, right? Maybe when you get a little older 
I think with that said, some of the biggest trends right now are so perfect because they're timeless. Like they work for anyone. You could be 18 or you could be 80. And then yeah. talking about like the likes of like stealth wealth, right? So this whole yeah. trend of the idea, and the, the basic principle of that is timeless silhouettes, neutral colors, logo-free, monochromatic dressing, minimalistic, and it's sharp and it's chic and it's really easy to do uh, no matter what your budget. Yeah. That is a, such a big trend, but it definitely works if you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. Thinking about what's coming next in fashion trends for fall, red. The pop of red in your closet is going to be so important, bold, and just will liven up any outfit. Right? And I think that is something that works on someone of any age, particularly older, because I think it can really brighten up a mature skin. Yeah. Just find the right tone of red for you. I was just going to say to you, it's all about the right red. It's the right red. You know, yeah, because if I do an orangey red, it's a disaster. <laughs> you know, I always thought I had to do blue reds, whether it was a lipstick or whatever. I'm the same. But I, a few people have introduced me. One is a MAC color and one is a Charlotte Tilbury color, actually. Yeah. And the reds have a little more orange than I would have picked for myself, but they actually look okay. So I guess, you know, you got to play around with somebody who might know better than you. That's it. It's playing around and taking that lipstick then to match the coat with it that you can just wear with your jeans yeah. and white t-shirt. <laughs> okay. I like the tip. You heard it here first, ladies. Red is what we need for fall. It's an instant update for fall. Okay. As we're talking about just what women are wearing in midlife, not just you entering this season in midlife. What's something that you're learning or something that you're maybe embracing more as you enter this stage? Because you're newly in this, you're in your early 40s. <laughs> this is all kind of new for you. What are you clinging to, whether it's in terms of your work, whether it's a personal philosophy? as you enter into this new season? Because for many women, it can bring a feeling of loss, a loss of identity, and maybe some trepidation about what lies ahead. What is it for you and what are you embracing about this? I'm embracing it all. I've never honestly felt more comfortable, confident in myself and where I'm going as I do now in my early 40s. Hmm. which is a terrific place to be. Um, I think you just know yourself so much more. You just understand the world around you. You know what's an instant yes. You know what's a no. You know what the requirements are of, of you from your family a little bit more. It's yeah. ever changing, of course, but I've honestly never felt better in myself physically, mentally, um, and even from the, if we're talking about the style perspective, I can't like figure it out. You know, it's like, and it's always evolving and success for all of us. The goalpost is always moving, but I do feel like pretty settled now, whereas I never did before. What are you looking forward to in your 50s? As you're a decade away from that, what do you mm. hope that that season will offer you or afford you? More consistency. Mm. I think that's one of the keys that, um, I didn't have in my 20s, for sure. I didn't have in my 30s, for sure. I was all over the place, running around, headless chicken, right? That was, and that was, part of, that was part of the buzz. It was part of New York City. It was part of my career and the build of where I am today. But since literally, I think, for early 40s, I'm just now like, oh, just to have a routine of the day would be great. Yeah. I think it's great for all of us, mentally, physically. It's also great for my kids, you know, and I think that is what I'm looking forward to 
tomorrow. Is that, does that mean I'm saying I'm looking forward to slowing down? It might just mean I'm saying that. But you make a good distinction. It's different to have something that feels steady and something that's slowing down. I think we hear slowing down and we feel like it means winding down instead of yeah. focusing, right? There's a difference between those two. When people feel like, I don't have anything to offer, I'm going to begin mm. to exit. I'm checking out in some respects, which this is no season to be doing that. We're living longer than mm. ever. We're living yeah. better longer. Mm -hmm. So I think of this as a check-in. We're checking in with the past 40 years, you know, 39 below, and we're looking at what what's ahead, what can be ahead, what opportunities are there, what have I learned about who I am and where I want yeah. to go and how can I be intentional about that? So I think it's more like if you're a chef and you're sort of reducing this beautiful sauce, it's like we're reducing everything to become exactly. this potent, beautiful, flavorful thing. And I think that's what we're looking for. It's the edit that we talked about earlier, yeah. right? And yeah. it's like just really like just bringing it down to its essentials and doing less but better. Yes. And I honestly, I think that's definitely more efficient than any other way. It's interesting. I'm reading a book at the moment called Essentialism. Yeah. By Greg and Kuhn. And it's absolutely genius. And it's literally about this disciplined pursuit of less but better. Yeah. It ties into all of that that we're saying right now. It's just about less head spinning, less busy work. But it's just more like really effective work. And I think we can take that into everything in our relationships. If we think about raising children, yeah, had somebody very kindly give me this piece of wisdom early on with my kids. And she said, don't mistake time logged with children as time well spent. A mother who stays at home could be with them all day, but never gets on the floor and plays a game, so never tucks them in and truly listens to what they're saying. She's exhausted. She's been with them all day. Don't yeah. mistake one for the other. And I think this idea of essentialism is bringing everything down to its most potent and its most essential yeah. aspect. And we can apply that to anything in our lives, anything, how we're intentional about it. Okay. So I know what you're looking forward to in your fifties. <laughs> As a 55 year old, I feel like that's what's happening with me. I'm, I'm absolutely sort of reducing things to what is it that I'm most curious about and care mm. most about? Who can I serve? What do I have to offer? What's your filter? I'm interested to know what your filter is. Do you mean professionally? Yeah. Thank you for asking a question. I never get asked a question on the podcast. Oh my God, no. I'm much better asking questions, by the way, than I am. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> You're a pro. You're a pro. You're a host. Um, I think I realized at some point, the audience knows this, I had been in a small business entrepreneurial mm. consultant for women, female founders, in the first five years of business. And I did that as a function of lots of things, but it matched where I was in my career, the way I wanted to be available to my kids. I had also mm. lived in New York City and started a business years ago in 1999. We launched in 2000, but it was sort of like an Etsy, but for up and coming designers mm. and did that for nine years, loved it, had a wholesale division. What I loved about that was helping 
the designers more than the retail and wholesale aspect. So I carried that into the consulting work that I did. And then when I iterated again, I realized that a lot of what I was hearing was women saying to me, I think it's too late. I, I'm not really sure what I want to do next. I'm not feeling actualized. I'm having to let go of some dreams and some visions I had for myself. Life is not really what I thought it would be. And I just thought, I want to help. I just want to help. It's sort of that simple. How can I help? What do I have to offer? I love talking to people. I'm curious. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's do a podcast. Let's tell stories that help women help themselves. Let's give women access to people like you so that she can figure out her own story by listening to your advice, by listening to your Mm -hmm. wisdom, by following your footsteps or by starting something. I just (laughs) feeling equally as crazy as that. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. When they hear somebody like you, Zana, say that it's crazy. Mm but you do it anyway, that gives them permission and freedom to step into that. So I would say, if that's a direct answer, I think my filter is just how do we help women in this season say it's not over. Having said that, our time is finite here. And the gift of Mm. knowing what you want to do and what you want to give this world is worth pursuing. I think I'm going to walk away from this podcast with more inspiration than anyone else (laughs) from you. Well, thank you. That's sweet. No, you're absolutely right. It's finite. And then every day now I realize a little bit more and I have elderly parents as well and not Mm -hmm. with them all the time. They're in England and I've got young kids, but we're in that time of our life where you're giving up and giving down and you're giving to yourself as well. And it's just, it's all consuming. It's a lot. So there is no doubt we have to start making some decisions and those decisions have to really be the ones that fill you with glee. Yeah. I wrote a letter to myself in two, three years time. So I was all this time next year. What am I doing? Check all those things off. And that actually in itself was quite powerful. I'd done a lot of the things without going back and checking as a list. And it was so satisfying because I think sometimes we need those checklists, right? Because we run around, we think we're trying to do so much. And it's like, what did I actually achieve today? Yeah. So when you have those annual marks, it's great to actually be able to see and just to do the proverbial check. I love that you do that. That's a great tool. We should all do that. All right. I have a feeling some listeners may do it after they hear this. What has surprised you about your professional journey, mm-hmm. maybe what you've done that you didn't think you would have done by now, and maybe what is left to do? What are the things that you're like, I'm really hoping to do this next or to take advantage of mm-hmm. all of my learnings so far and pour it into X, Y, or Z? What's the future got for Zana? Gosh, it's funny because I really wish I could say like my entire career was so meticulously planned. It was all very well laid out. It was very strategic. No, I was not. There's been so many <laughs> twists. And th- I mean, it's been 20 years of twists and turns for sure. It's a creative industry, right? So there's more yeah. like set ladders, set goals. You can actually make it your own, which is what's so brilliant about it and also quite stressful sometimes. But I never said no to anything. And there were so many great chance encounters that I made along the way, which really helped me to be who I am today. I never thought in a million years I would be 43 and IPO'd uh, the company I co-founded. Never in a million years did I think that. That's pretty cool. Never in a million years did I think that 
you know, I'd marry the guy I met on a shoot one day and then we'd have kids together and then build this company together with a lot of other great people. And then I pay off, right? That's like things yeah. that I never imagined. I couldn't have planned that if I'd have tried. There's no, I don't believe yeah. in my, my world. There's so many shocks. Like the, sh- the shocks and delighting. I've had a shocking and delighting career to myself. You know, did I ever think I'd be on a red carpet <laughs> interviewing Rihanna about all of her amazing career on her, her fashion design? Or would I be sat with, you know, Victoria Beckham talking about her incredible powerhouse legacy as well for TV. Like that's like, these things are just, I could never have ever imagined I'd be doing them, but I'm so happy I did. And I never want to be able to, you know, shut any of those doors in the future. So it's like, yeah, how can I bring all that together in a more precise way? So let's say my 20 year old daughter is talking to you. Mm. She's a student at NYU. She's pursuing journalism and a creative career. And she mm-hmm. says to you, how did you find yourself talking to Victoria Beckham and Rihanna and mm-hmm. marrying somebody you met on a shoot and an IPO? And what did you do? There's something you did to have this kind of success time and time again. What do you say to her? I would do my research. I would be ambitious and not take no for an answer in a way, but in a nice way, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, when you can push. Yeah. Tenacious, I suppose, in a, in a, like a, a nice, polite way. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to everybody. Take everyone's numbers. Keep organized. People you meet on the way, just write their names down. It will come in handy. And connect with people, you know, those people that you met three years ago. You, it's okay to just reach out to them again. Yeah. You know, and tap people, find a mentor, something I never really did, but I wish I had more. I was lucky enough to have some amazing female leaders with me, all the, like my first editor in chief, which is the most maternal editor ever. And then I've had subsequent females around me who really helped guide me, be it that my agent or be it that my editor in chief or be that producers who I work with today in television. Interesting that all females, the ones who have really like helped me guide. Yeah. Made the right decisions. So find those mentors. I suppose like have that goal. I, I never want to say too much, like have this like ultimate intent because then it might, you may miss some of those other wonderful things that happen on the way. Sure. Because that's the way it happened to me. Yeah. That right there is actually, I think, great advice, not only for my 20 year old, but for our listener who is in her 40s, 50s, and 60s, because she may be at a point where she feels like she missed the mark. And what we want to say is you are where you are for a reason. And all of those opportunities, all of those zigs and all of those zags have brought you to where you are today. And now is an opportunity to rethink Mm -hmm. that next phase and what could be. But you have to, again, pause and be intentional about it. I appreciate so much saying, have a goal, but don't be so focused on the prize that you miss the journey, that you miss the opportunities along the way. Exactly. It's all about the journey, right? Yeah. You said it so well, but I do think we can get so like 
almost maybe you don't need that goal so tight when you're younger but now now yeah. we're at this point I'm like now now I do need to focus more because time is more finite yeah <laughs> I don't have all the days in the week to, to just yeah. like wither away and just going on this experience and like I've, I've done the experience that's good now it's time to like okay this is where I need to be and these are the people I want to spend that time with and also these are the people I want to work with you know it's very important to me to surround myself by people I like with work because again, life's too short to be working with people you don't have to at this point. And I'm lucky enough to be able to pick. So I'm very yeah. careful about the partners I work with. They bring generative energy to you, to your work, to all of it. Absolutely. I too believe it's key to have good people around you. I could talk to you for another hour, but I know that your kids are going to come walking in. So I want to be mindful of that. We have five questions that I want to get okay, to. Okay, great. We call our fast five. I love a fast five. Oh uh, yeah. Then sometimes they're not so fast, but we'll try and go fast. What is a <laughs> daily practice that keeps you or has kept you grounded? <laughs> well, as you can see from the, um, <laughs> the conversation so far, <laughs> Zana doesn't have enough routines in her life. She's working on them. Ask me in seven years. I'll be back. Okay. No, the coffee, the coffee. You said the coffee at the beginning. The so. coffee. I make the best coffee. I don't ever go out for coffee. I, I make just the best coffee. It's just very basic. It's not like that, but it has to be my own coffee. Kids hugs every day. No matter every mm. arguing, actually my husband and I do hug every day. It's weird. We could be in a fat mood with each other. It'd be like one of us will like break the ice if you've had the argument. Just like hug. And we just go. Bah. But it just the physical hugging yeah. somebody yeah. melts you a little bit. And you're like, mm, whatever, we've got this. We've got this between us. So hugs. That's sweet. That's going to be my answer for that. And coffee. Hugs and coffee. Hugs. <laughs> and if all else fails, a great outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like a, a bumper sticker or a tote or a t-shirt or something. Hugs and coffee. Yeah. That's all we need. Hugs and coffee. Maybe painted across like a Gucci bag or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I reckon I'll do that. Okay. Okay. And then what are you currently reading besides the book that you've already recommended, Essentialism, which we'll have in the show notes? Essentialism is my holy grail at the moment. Um, what else am I reading at the moment? I, we went to a, on a vacation and I wanted something that was like a holiday for the brain. Yeah. And I read Daisy Jones, which obviously everyone is now watching on Netflix, but so good. So right? good. Like lapped it up in two seconds. And I'm about to kick off with a book. Actually, my friend just gave me this today. I'm going to give her a recommendation. She could not have talked about it more. Oh, I think it's an older one, actually. Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Danler. Oh, I don't know that one. She actually got it from the library, which was very impressed. And your friend loved she it. She loved it. And I saw the library sticker on the side. I was like, have you been books from the library? I am obsessed with this idea. So, I mean, of course we should be still getting books from the library. Yes. But yeah, she said it's a great novel. Okay. We've got three good recommendations for reading from you. And you mentioned it a little bit mm. earlier, but just to be succinct here, what is something about this particular season of life that you're just loving, that you're so pleased that you're in your 40s and you're fully embracing X? What is it? Fully embracing the power it is to know yourself. That is something I never expected to come with this season. But knowing yourself more and having the confidence to be able to speak up, to be able to advocate for yourself even more, it's wonderful. I, I've truly never been happier or more sorted mentally and physically than I am now. Mm, I love that. I wish that for every woman stepping into this season. What would you say 
to your 25-year-old self or your assistant or your daughter, what would you say to her about midlife? What do you want to make sure she knows and she's armed with as she moves through the next few seasons of her life, knowing that midlife will what? It gets clearer Mm. and it gets even more fun. Mm -hmm. The clarity that comes out of your 20s, out of your 30s is just so empowering. Yeah, more of you. More of you and then also less of you because you become more of a frame than a picture. But in a way that is actually wonderful because you can, I don't know if there's less focus on you, but you just, you're able to spread everything around. That's really beautiful. I've never heard that. I mean, I feel like I've heard a lot of beautiful sayings. I've never heard that. More of a frame and less of a picture. Is that motherhood? Is that age? Yes, that's motherhood and age and having a business and working with other people. And you don't have to be this, this central focus anymore. You're just the frame. And that's, that's super empowering in itself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It feels like it lends itself to more of all the things rather than one singular thing. Like it gives us permission, right? That's cool. To wear all those hats that I like to, to wear. wear all those hats. <laughs> <laughs> back to the edit now. What yes, are we doing? Back, back to the edit. Where, back to the edit. Where's essentialism? Pick that book up. Yeah. Go back to the book. Go back to the book. It's not worked yet. Help me, Greg. And then I would say the IPO, milk makeup, mm-hmm. your work as an editor, both in fashion and in beauty, what you're doing on the red carpet, what you're doing as an e news host, fashion host what you're doing on the Today Show. How have all of those things and the collection of all of those things liberated you? It's the ownership and being able to take such a deep sense of pride with every single one of those things you just listed. Mm. And I'm like, I did that. And it's okay to say, admit that. And it's just, it's a wonderful feeling to have, you know, take ownership and being on the right carpet and I'm like did somebody else do that for me no you did it yourself you know and that's that's great to be able to be co-founder of a makeup company that IPO'd last year that's beyond my wildest expectations but very deeply satisfying and it's the proudest thing that I'll ever do and as well doing it with my husband as well it's quite a wonderful feat that's pretty special and pretty unique so you know it liberates I can drink nice wine <laughs> because yeah. life's too short to drink bad wine. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen to that. The, amen the wine gets that. better and that's about it though, guys. <laughs> okay. So while we're speaking of wine and since we're talking about women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, I will say I love red wine. Big, big, big fan. Big and fan. I'll drink all kinds. I'm not, I'm not a snob about it. I like what I like. That's about it. And I have had to stop drinking it because I've been getting like, congested and something that probably is akin to like restless legs at night. Yeah. It's been a huge bummer. And I've been turned on to, at first I was like, this sounds really snobby. So I don't know if I'm buying it, but Italian and French reds have not Mm. impacted me in the same way. So if anybody has a recommendation who's listening, or if you have a recommendation, I'm all ears because I didn't believe it but it's true. Why is that less of the process? That's what I've heard. Yeah. I don't want to blame any 
California or American wines, but that's what I've heard. A good Barbera and you might be okay then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to give it a shot. I'll give it a try. I can't tell you what a treat it's been to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited for people to listen to this. There's something so warm and gentle about you and inviting and everyone wants to be your friend, I can tell. And whenever that is packaged in somebody who's accomplished so much and whose life looks to be packaged so perfectly, it's such a delight. It's such a treat to see somebody who's so real and... I appreciate you. I appreciate you spending this time with us. Thank you, Nella. Oh, I appreciate your great questions. I really want to turn the questions on you, though, because you are a wealth of information. And I feel like you've spoken to so many people at this point. You should definitely be a guest on your own podcast. I will host that if you would like me to twist these questions to you anytime. <laughs> be careful what you promise, because I may take you up on it. Done. I would love that. You're exactly warm and caring just so much wisdom there. Everybody should listen to this podcast. Thank you, Zana. You've been a gift. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Liberty listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I know you're going to love this episode. You're going to listen to it on repeat and be sure to check out the show notes for the book mentions and all the places you can find Zana. And we'll talk to you next week. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to move into your middle third with intention. Liberty Road is created by executive producer Netta Jones, supervising producer Elizabeth Windham, producer Julia Windham, and music by Jack Jones. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 